welcome to the Gentle Counselor podcast, episode number 12. My name is Crystal and I'm the creator of The Gentle Counselor, where I provide online resources to support the mental health and well-being of parents and children. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest with us, Jackie Ward from The Brave Space. She's a provisional psychologist studying her master's in psychology and is passionate about supporting the mental well-being of kids and their amazing mums. Now, this is an even more special guest for me today because Jackie and I have been connecting on Instagram for quite a while now, and we've decided to finally do a collaboration on a few secret projects behind the scene with this being one of them. So thank you so much and welcome to the podcast, Jackie. So great to be here. Like you said, it's been a a friendship that's been bubbling away and to now actually be um, working on some projects together is just great. So just for anyone who may be new to at the Brave Space, um, let's talk about our family. So who's in your family? How old are they? And maybe tell us a little bit about each of your little ones. Yeah, sure. So in my family, there's me and my husband. Um, He was, I suppose you call my childhood sweetheart. We've been together since we were 16. um, And that is a long time ago now. Um, And then we have our bub. So my eldest, his name is Lockie and Lockie is five, attending his first year of school this year, which was big. Then next I have Archer, who is four, and my new little addition, Esther, who is six months old. Oh, and she's so cute. I love it when you post like the videos and the pictures of them (laughs) because I get to enjoy it and be clucky without wanting my own like little baby at the moment. (laughs) I'm deep in the baby spamming phase now. So yeah. (laughs) Yes. I think I'm busy enough with my four-year-old and one-year-old at the moment. And I'm not quite sure if we're done, but we definitely are in no rush to add any just yet because I would like to get some sleep first, I think. Yeah, you're still in the trenches with the one-year-old, so. (laughs) Yes, it still feels fresh and it's funny, I was saying to my husband how I was already pregnant when he was, when my daughter was the age that he is right now and I can't even imagine doing that again because he still seems like a baby even though he's going to be two in a few months, I still call him my baby and it's crazy how different you can see your children or even I'm sure my daughter was like a lot more seeming mature for that age anyway and he's just different he's still very much babyhood yeah it's amazing but like you said good chance to soak up his babyhood still and then who knows down the track So I know in this podcast, we were wanting to talk a lot about our experiences of motherhood and just motherhood in general and the expectations on everyone. So let's talk a bit about how did you think motherhood was going to be for you versus how it actually is? Like, was your expectation what it ended up being? Or do you Mm -hmm. think it's been, you know, completely different experience to what you thought it was going to be? Yeah, um, I guess broadly, um, the, the overall picture is, is that it was completely different. Motherhood absolutely threw me a loop in so many ways, which we'll probably cover some of them today. Um, but I guess from the outset, so I was, um, my eldest child was desperately wanted. We tried for a long time before we, before we were able to have him. So it was definitely a situation where he was pined for. And when I found out I was pregnant, I was absolutely elated. Had a great pregnancy. But then 
I think safe to say that my um, motherhood really blindsided me. Um, I went into it feeling like, I guess you could say sort of, I got this. I was felt optimistic and positive about it. I really wasn't too overwhelmed. Perhaps they were the things that contributed to the complete overwhelm I felt when he arrived. Um, looking back, I can see now that I definitely had postpartum anxiety when in those sort of tender first few months of um, his life, I, oh goodness, I would um, rarely sleep and not because of him, although that was a contributing factor, but even when he was sleeping and at night and whatnot, I would constantly wake to check him. Um, you know, I had a lot of, I used to wake in, in night sweats, in panic, imagining all sorts of things happening to him. Um, and I really, it really knocked my confidence because I began to doubt my own self and people would say to me, just, just listen to your, um, you know, your innate mother knowledge and your whiz, like your um, intuition. Um, but I felt like that was missing in action somewhere, basically. I loved him desperately, but I had absolutely zero confidence in my ability to mother. Um, and so that's why I suppose it didn't really match up to how I thought it would be, particularly that early time. Does that sound, does that resonate at all? Or how was it for you with your first? Yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, we talk about postpartum depression, but then it's sort of like postpartum anxiety is the side dish to that. And I've been hearing a lot more stories from women recently about the postpartum anxiety side. And I feel like I still suffer with that even today, even though I'm not in the early months, because Mm. it's all that fear-based stuff. And it really messes with your mind because you can quite literally imagine these horrible things happening. And then you feel like what on earth is wrong with me for having these absolutely, you know, disgusting and terrifying thoughts. Just the other day I had my husband take the kids to the park and here I am basically almost in tears to him. Like don't get into a car accident. And it's, you know, nothing has ever happened to warrant a reason, but that's it. It's not, yeah. it's not something that needs a reason. It doesn't mean something's happened necessarily. You know, that would be something more linked to PTSD. It's just you have yeah. this fear yeah. and it's irrational and you don't know. Yeah, it's so true that, like, I can relate to that so much. I, I Getting my, like, geek on now, but in a lecture that I had recently, they were talking about anxiety and how anxiety is so much more um, prolific in women, they find. And they think that if we're going to look at it from like an evolutionary psychology point of view, there was this functional purpose to anxiety because the mothers were the ones that were you know, predominantly raising the children in the tribe, you know, while the men were off hunting and gathering or whatnot. And so there was this evolutionary value to anxiety because it made you extra vigilant. But I feel like nowadays that we don't need to be vigilant of our children, you know, <laughs> wandering off from the tribe and being taken by a tiger or something. It very much still remains. And I know that when I get anxious in life generally. So if my if I'm not looking after myself or I'm particularly stressed or have a really busy time where I'm perhaps my defenses are down a bit, that is the first thing to rear its head, motherhood anxiety, worrying about my kids and their well being. So um, you know, I can definitely relate to the the car crash thought when then when they leave you for the day too. It's a strange thing. I think it makes sense if you think about it from a biological perspective, because you're right. It would have been our way of thinking of all the possible scenarios and protective factors and preventing any of those scenarios from happening, like, you know, tigers grabbing your baby, which would have been a very real threat, obviously. (laughs) Those poor (laughs) mums. I know. But then we also have, you know, the concept of like the gift of fear. And so there Mm -hmm. is some sort of a healthy 
amount of having fear. But often when I say things to my husband and, and I'll express these thoughts and I realize, do you seriously not think about any of this? And he says, no, not until now that you've just said it. (laughs) and even the other day with the car he was like just stop thinking about it and I was like oh okay thanks magically fixed now I feel better it's fascinating isn't it and like I know that dads come with a whole amazing beautiful set of their um, attributes to parenting but this this anxiety conversation that I've had with him too generally the the monsters around every corner the figurative monsters that I see they just don't they're just not there for him often. And like you say, I think sometimes it's good to preempt the things that could go wrong. And perhaps that's where mothers have that real um, foresight perhaps and works that way. (laughs) It definitely wasn't something I was expecting to happen in motherhood because I know Mm. when I went to the um, checkups when you're pregnant, because I do have a history of depression, they would ask me about that um, and give me, you know, the pamphlets and information on postpartum depression. But then even that didn't, cover the anxiety side so I was just aware that you know you might feel really sad or you know Mm. at the extreme be suicidal or you know talking about postpartum psychosis for example but not that I was ever in that territory it was just anxiety that felt like it came out of nowhere and then because I didn't have a name for it or didn't realize what it was I thought something was wrong with me and then I also experienced that postpartum rage which I've made sure to talk about more because I remember crying and googling basically, this is how I'm feeling. What is wrong with me? And then all of these threads came up and I was reading what all these other women had written. And I realized, oh my goodness, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Something's not wrong with me. It's this. And then that made me feel better to know I wasn't alone, but that's definitely something I wasn't expecting. I just thought I was going to love being home all the time with the kids. I also had no idea about realistic sleep expectations. So that completely threw me through the wall, especially when everyone around you is screaming at you to basically leave your child alone in a room to cry. And I had even experienced that when I used to do babysitting and never thought about questioning it at the time. That's how normalized it was for me. But thankfully I I didn't go that route with my children and I'm still bed sharing and I actually really like having the kids in bed with me too. So I do tend I. to sleep better. <laughs> do you know, I do too. It's such a funny thing. And, you know, one of the things that we flagged to discuss today was, um, you know, this difference between how you thought motherhood and your journey was going to be compared to how it is. And I get such a kick of looking back um, at how I thought it was going to be. Like I literally laugh out loud at myself because um, before my bubby, um, I had a corporate career and, oh, my gosh, I was – I I love pre-baby Jackie. She was so unaware. Anyway, pre-baby Jackie read all the books and thought that she had all the plans and that my baby was just going to fit into my life. And I'd go back to work. I thought I'd go back to work much sooner than I did. Um, I thought my baby would be the clockwork baby and I'd be doing the sleep training. Oh gosh. And then when he arrived, it was just like, I fell to bits and there were days when I was in bits and the rebuilt Jackie now is extremely different to the Jackie that the mother Jackie that I thought I would be. And a big part of that was sleeping. Um, I could never, I wouldn't have ever anticipated that I'd be a co-sleeper, but we are very much a co-sleeping family Bought the biggest bed we could buy so that now there's the four of us in there and the Bubby is in a side sleeping cot next to me. Um, So yeah, it's just one of those things that you just, you have to laugh at how unaware you can be 
to how reality will be. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite quotes is everyone's a perfect parent until they become one. Oh. Because you have all these ideas (laughs) of the parent you're going to be. You know, I thought I was going to be dressed up and have my makeup and have these clean, pristine children that were so well-mannered and would never dare to defy me in public at the shops, you know, ridiculous. (laughs) And I laugh when my um, brothers, like, who don't have children or my friends who don't have children make comments and I will literally laugh out loud in their face, not in a rude way, just saying, just you wait, you give me a call when it's your turn. (laughs) I used to think the same thing as well. (laughs) One of my other funny things that I love to look back on, sorry, before Bubbies, I loved the gym. I love to go in the morning because I'm a morning person by four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm pretty much switched off and in my pajamas, but I love to get up really early. So that was a ritual that I really enjoyed. And so I I just assumed that I'd take my baby with me every morning at 5am and that they'd happily sit in the pram and just chill while I did a class. And that was just going to be part of my routine that wasn't going to change. But oh my goodness, after you have been up all night with a baby that is not interested in sleeping, um, we had a reflux baby too. So that compounded the feeding and sleeping issues we had. The last thing I was going to do was drag myself to the gym at quarter to five to make a five o'clock class. So yeah, it's just, you have to laugh. I like what you're saying because it's highlighting the fact that we forgot that we were going to have to take care of ourselves. You're so focused on taking care of this baby and this child and nowhere is anyone highlighting, okay, but remember you need to do this for you. You need to sleep when the baby sleeps, but you know, talk about that more in an actual, this is how you can do it or this is how you can get some downtime, or this is how you can help them to sleep, you know, lay down next to them, put your earphones in and watch something on your phone to chill out or whatever it may be. So I think it's taken me pretty much this whole time. So four years since I had my first to really start to understand. And that's basically why I started the gentle counselor because, you know, like you, we follow this gentle attachment style parenting, but all of that is very much focused on the child and what's beneficial for them. And so what I've noticed is that the motherhood side of it was missing. So I'm trying to find that balance between doing what's best for the child, but also what is best for the mother. And even when I had my second child, still things happen and you've got all these new challenges. So what kind of differences did you have and what you thought was going to happen between your children, because you have three as well. So you've got yeah. the one to two and two to three story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'll just go back and say, that is why I absolutely, that's, I think that's how I first found you and connected with you. I love the gentle counselor for that emphasis that you have this conversation that we need to be having every day with the women in our life, the women without babies yet, the women that have babies that can shed light on it and share their wisdom for us about the need to look after yourself. And I don't know if you follow her, but Dr. Sophie Brock is an Australian, um, I think she's a sociologist, um, that she has this real interest in mothering and motherhood and um, looking after the mums, basically. And this week, it's Infant Mental Health um, Awareness Week, as you'd know. And she did this beautiful, beautiful post the other day that really... Um, really hit me in the heart. And she said, while we're doing this important work of caring for our babies and children, we need to make sure that someone else is caring for us too. And while yes, definitely self-care is part of that, there is a piece of it that we need to let ourselves be looked after too, because this job is just so huge of looking after and raising babies. So 
Yeah, um, there was, I definitely experienced differences. So as I've spoken about with the first, there was those challenges with postpartum anxiety and being a first time mum, you know, so um, that was it. And then when Archie came along, the gap was 20 months, so it was pretty close. Um, but, you know, I'd sort of settled, I'd learned a lot in those first 20 months and, and we were really um, excited and ready for his arrival, but it was a different parenting journey by nature of the fact that he was a different baby. Um, he didn't have reflux. He was the second and whatnot. But in myself, I definitely had a lot more confidence and was um, a lot more realistic in my expectations. The bar had been lowered. I basically consciously worked to put zero pressure on myself to, you know, whether it was, like you said, putting on the makeup and being out there, you know, recovered, in inverted commas, um, after a short amount of time, I just gave myself every bit of grace that I needed. And as a result, that postpartum period was so much more joyful. And then um, when Esther came along, I really took it up another notch. Um, I read an absolutely exceptional book called The First 40 Days by Helen Wu, I think her name is. Um, and that is all about the sacredness and the importance of that first 40 days postpartum and the Chinese rituals around that, looking after the mother. Um, I brought in a doula into my home to help me um, because I was aware that postpartum anxiety was likely to rear its head again. And I just wanted that extra layer of support, um, which turned out to be a beautiful thing. So um, I guess with each subsequent child, I've been able to build in extra layers of support and each subsequent postpartum period has gotten closer to how I think it should be. And, and as a result, how enjoyable it's been. That's so great. And so not only are you bringing your own knowledge and extensive experience from being a parent of three, but you're also sharing your knowledge and information on how to take care of yourself as a mother. And here are some of the things I did that also may work for you. And I remember, I've remembered now, and I started following you before you had your third child, because I remember you were pregnant and I noticed that you were reading that book and I looked into it and I thought that is amazing. And then I didn't understand that doulas could also be for postpartum. And that's really the time when you need it the most. And I know that if we do decide to have another one, that's something I'm definitely going to invest in because yeah. I know how much I struggle. I know I'm already at a risk with the depression and anxiety. And, you know, my husband works as well. I can't unfortunately expect him to be able to wait on me hand and foot. We don't really have much family or friend support around us. And so when you're missing that physical tri tribe around you, you do need to outsource and bring in some other lovely people into your lives that you know you can rely on. I love how you just, talk about like lowering the standards that you had because I definitely agree with that. I did the same thing, but also your expectations are so much more realistic. I didn't feel a pressure to let's get it right. Let's sleep train from now to get it right. And I know this is sound, but I'm basically doing inverted commas around that. Um, yeah. And it was just like, not nope, rubbish. We are bed sharing from day one. I know it works. It's easier. We're all getting more sleep. Roll over, boob out, done. Everyone's sleeping. <laughs> Magic, right? Magic. <laughs> because you weren't putting all that pressure on yourself. And isn't it like phenomenal, the flow on to all of your family, to your husband, to your kids. It's just such a more um, practical, but also just a, makes it a, a such better experience for the whole family. I think when we don't have these insane expectations that we put on ourselves and on our babies too. That's a good point about our husbands. I did enjoy 
watching him grow into his fatherhood role a lot more the second time around. He did struggle um, with our first. I think it just took him a while to really know what to do, especially because I was breastfeeding a lot or, yeah, it took him a while to kind of find his feet. But with our second, it was a completely different experience. And so he knew a lot more what to do. He was, you know, baby wearing in the ring sling and, you know, the wrap that we had and he would come to me and say, Oh, I think he needs a breastfeed or, you know, he I love also equally wow. embraced bed sharing. And it was so much more relaxing because I didn't have to like educate him, I guess, on those certain practices I was learning about or wanted to try because he already knew we'd already gone through that initial journey and learning together. And then I would mm-hmm. find him coming to me with information or resources on Amazing. ways that we could, you know, find find better ways to parent in our family. And then he would also tell me stories about talking to people at work about (laughs) breastfeeding and bed sharing. And then I'm like basically clapping. I'm like, this is amazing. Like how (gasps) this, how much you've changed from pre kids like that never would have happened. And so I feel like we've both grown a lot more comfortable and confident in how we parent not that we're, you know, preaching it to everyone that will listen because obviously we're respectful of people choose to do things differently, but we also know who our, I guess, tribe is, the people that get us. And then when you are not silent, because a lot of people are silent about bed sharing, for example, then all of a sudden you realize other people are doing it as well. Yeah, I think it's so, so beautiful to watch these dads grow into their own as parents. I know that was um, definitely a lovely part of parenthood for me. That was something we spoke about, Crystal, too. And I wanted to ask you, did you find, like, so you obviously watched his, you know, growth as a father as well. But did you find that becoming a parent changed your relationship with him? Like, did that change at all? I think there are two ways I can answer this question. I'll go with the positive one first. So it definitely had a really good change in our relationship where I I sort of felt a lot more secure because once you have a child with someone, you are 100% attached to that person. You know, it's more than marriage because marriage, you can get divorced. You can't really divorce from having a child together. Um, But also I really enjoyed that he was so willing to listen to whatever information or research I would present to him. And I was... I was and I still am so pleasantly surprised at how easy it is to communicate about attachment and gentle parenting with him because he is 100% in. Never has there ever been a pushback. He just seems to equally get it sort of like how I do naturally, if that makes sense. It just comes to us naturally. It's not really that hard or complicated for us. The negative side would have been more that first time around experience. Like I mentioned, it was a really hard couple of months for us because we just were not on the same page. But a lot of that was to do with me not having my needs met because Mm -hmm. this was pre understanding about how the mother needs to be cared for. And also the transition of having no children to one child because you don't realize how selfish you are until you have children. And so he was still very used to, you know, my husband's a big gamer. So he was still very used to being on his computer and playing games in his downtime. And I would be constantly like trapped under a baby breastfeeding or with her sleeping because my daughter would not sleep on 
any surface for the first six months, she had to literally be touching me. And so that was a hard first six months, but you know, we got through it. And then once you kind of get out of that haze of feeling that depression that's going on, then you're able to have those conversations. And so we had a lot of really deep and important conversations around how I was feeling and what I needed from him, but also taking a step back and realizing how he was feeling because Mm -hmm. it was also big changes for him becoming a father. And I had to understand that as well. So it was a lot of compromise and understanding that we both had to go through and yeah, we're definitely better for it. I feel very solid in our relationship and we're definitely on the same page in our parenting, which I couldn't ask for anything more, really. I see other people struggle with that. And so I'm very grateful that that's at least one thing we don't have to struggle with. Yeah, I really think that is, the, like you said, the, the best thing you could ask for is to both be on the same page because, um, you know, given this direction, this way that, like you said, we've chosen or that came naturally to parenting, it would be really tricky if other people weren't on board with or if your partner was not on board with it and just, you know, that would just add another level of, you know, real complexity to parenting, which is complex enough. (laughs) So I I think that's fantastic. And how did you find that with your partner, especially because you guys have been together since 16. So you've been together a long time through all these changes. Yeah. So we'd been through some pretty significant ups and downs, um, you know, as you would be growing up with someone from basically a child. When we got together, we lived overseas and had that experience and, and, whole lot of other life things but without a doubt parenting uh, was our biggest test and ultimately what has led us to the place we are now so um, so much of what you just said resonated I think for the first time around um, it was an absolute challenge he he was so um, keen to be a hands-on dad as well but because I was struggling and I have to be honest and say now that I'm a hard person to help sometimes. I People want to help. I find it hard to accept that. I don't now, but I did back then. So I was, I was hard to help, you know, when I was really struggling and he was desperate to help. But, oh, there'd be times when I, like, through my anxiety, I was the only person that could do it right. Um, and so, you know, as desperate as he was to, to help with all the things, unfortunately, I couldn't breastfeed because of a health condition. Um, so um, our bubs are bottle fed and he was keen to do night feeds and, and whatnot. But I was adamant that that was um, in my domain. So, you know, I look back and think, oh, my goodness, he was juggling this, this complete upheaval of his lifestyle as well as the, um, you know, helping to support me through what I was going through. And it just must have been such a tumultuous time for him. But in the moment, I uh, was very, very focused on the baby and myself and and that's it. So there's been a a significant amount of growth um, through parenting, but ultimately in in a beautiful way. It's, I think, when you're really tested like that and you come out still holding your hand, each other's hand and laughing about things at, at the end of the day, then um, you're just really fortunate if, if that can be the case. I feel like we've talked a lot about the struggles of motherhood. So let's try to shift the conversation a little bit now. And what was one unexpected joy of motherhood for you, Jackie? Yeah. Um, so you know, one of those cliche things that people tell you before you have children as much equally as much as people like to tell you to enjoy your sleep because it's going soon. People also tell you that having children is life changing in the the most amazing way. And having children is so rewarding and will change your life 
forever. And for me, that has absolutely been the case. I, I wasn't someone that did a lot of babysitting or nannying. I didn't have a lot of babies around me growing up. Um, so I, as much as I was blindsided by the challenges of early motherhood, the joy in watching my children grow and um, develop into the, the little amazing humans that they are has just been exceptional for me. You know, every time I've got a little app on my phone where I record the funny things that they say to me and, um, you know, sometimes I have like little funny expressions and things that they do. Um, and looking back, sometimes I look on back on those, I fall into the, the hole of that at night as I'm scrolling on my phone and I literally laugh out loud and feel consumed with joy for the experiences I've had with them. I'm just going to piggyback off your answer and just say 100%. It's yeah. funny, right? Like you cannot explain it to someone until they have children. And you're right. It's so cliche about these will be the best years of your lives. And I constantly have um, like coworkers or strangers in the supermarket who are older and their children have grown and they say it to me. But I feel yeah. like I'm in a place where I can 100% say to them, yes, I actually totally know what you're talking about. I know I'm going to grieve this time in my future even in those really hard moments where you want to pull your hair out because it's one of those days where everyone's screaming and you have no patience. But at the end of the day, I'm still on my phone right before bed sometimes looking back at some adorable yes. photos and videos. <laughs> but I also I mean, think something else I really like is the joy that I get to experience with, with my husband. So I love that... I could talk to a friend or someone about something amazing that I think my child's done. And, you know, they're going to be polite. They're not going to get it. But when I tell my husband, it's a legitimate joy with me. And so I love yeah. those moments where we're together and you can have that kind of like banter between each yes. other and you can watch the kids do something hilarious that you couldn't even find words to explain to someone why it was hilarious or why it was amazing. Yes. So I think that's yeah. another unexpected joy that I've got is it's just adding more to us as well. And I think that also helps us in our relationship because we tend to be very playful and we laugh a lot in our household anyway. And of course, children naturally bring that. And so that's yeah. been a really nice added level of positivity uh, I think in our household I love that so much I love that so much and it's so true what you say like sometimes when our kids do something funny I remember we were sitting at a dinner with friends once and um there were there were mainly a lot of parents some not parents doesn't really matter but we were having dinner and we were Dave and I were recounting a story from something our boys had done that we thought was absolutely hilarious you could literally see other people's eyes glaze over they just didn't get it and Dave and I were looking at each other killing ourselves laughing and I thought yeah, he gets it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because who else is going to 100% enjoy that complete, overwhelming love with you? No yeah. one else is going to really experience that with you. If you could go back and tell your pre-baby self anything, what would it be? Yeah. So this is something I've thought about um, a lot, independently of knowing that we'd talk about it today. I think if I could tell pre-baby Jackie anything, it would be just don't be in such a rush to figure it all out and that it will all be okay. Because there were times when I wondered if it would be, if I would ever feel like myself again, if I would ever feel capable and confident in my abilities and I was in a rush to figure it all out. And it's just not necessary. If you have 
have a deep breath, realize that um, so much of early motherhood anyway, I can't comment on because our kids aren't older yet, but so much of early motherhood takes time for things to settle, you know, whether it's a reflux baby or settling into solids or, you know, getting some good sleep, but it all comes together in the end. So that's I what love I love that. Her. That's such a good one. And I like and thinking you? about this question because I can see myself in those early days. I can still picture, you know, those really hard moments. And I wish I could go back and yeah. reach out to her and just tell her that it will be okay. It feels like your whole world is collapsing around you at the same time you've felt a love that you've never felt before. It's such yeah. confusing feelings, but it will be okay and you do have people around you that want to listen that want to love and support you so ask for help be direct yes. and no one is going to know what's in your mind you literally have to spell it out for anyone who will listen <laughs> when you are struggling yeah that is such good advice because i feel like especially with new babies people want to help they genuinely want to help like i know i want to help when i see other people and if someone just say to me hey, Jack, I need you to cook me dinner tonight, drop it around, leave it on my front doorstep, don't come in. Or equally, if they want me to come in, come in and just hold the baby for an hour while I have a bath. I'd be like, boom, I am doing those things. So people want to be involved. People want to help you. So let yourself be helped. <laughs> You're so right. And I think why I struggle with that too is for quite a while uh, throughout my 20s, I felt that loss of like true deep friendships that you sort of felt like you had in school. But, you know, as you grow up, either you realize they weren't the right relationship or it's actually really hard to make friends as adults. It's such an awkward yes. thing. It's like you're asking someone on a date sometimes. Yes. But you're right. You need, we need to think about it as in if someone was telling you, whether a stranger on the street or one of your followers on Instagram or a friend maybe that you knew a few years ago or even like a really close relative, like anyone, absolutely anyone, what you were thinking and how you were feeling, how would you respond? And you're right. I would 100% be jumping in. If I didn't live near the person, I'd be ordering food or, you know, depending on the situation, I would actually consider jumping on a plane and flying and helping because yeah. you, you just would make it a priority because yeah. not only now, because we know what it feels like. And so I feel like that brings in a whole new dimension because you mm. get it from that perspective, but it's a really hard thing. And like you mentioned before, you had a really hard time asking for help. I think I had a hard time actually communicating what I needed mm. and just expecting other people to know. And that's yes. not necessarily how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So we're coming to the end of the podcast episode now. What are some strategies or support systems in your mothering toolkit in terms of looking after yourself that we can share with people that are listening? Yeah, sure. So two things that I wanted to share today. Um, the first is um, a bit more abstract and the second is a really concrete um, suggestion. So the first one is to work out your, your personal rhythm. Maybe it's changed after becoming a mum, but find the time of the day um, that suits you in terms of your, your energy levels or your um, just the way your, your system works, find a time of the day that is conducive to you getting some really quiet time. 
And so for me, it's for mornings, for example. So I love to get up in the morning and um, spend an hour of time doing something that's purely just for me. And it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but, but hear me out. When you do something, so I find it works for me in the mornings because if I get up and either read my book or have a coffee and do some journaling or have a stretch or whatever it might be, doing that in the morning makes me feel like I've literally done something to fill myself up so that when my kids are up and all three want breakfast at the same time and we're getting packing lunches for school and whatnot, I already feel like I'm, you know, have been filled up for the day. So all of that, you know, things that demand, demand something from me, it doesn't drain me as much. I know other people love to steal that time late at the end of the day when they've had their, their busy days or their day, their full days, and they like to recharge their batteries before they go to sleep. So whatever it is that works for you, find it, make it an absolute essential part of your day. And the flow and benefits of that for yourself and for your families are just unparalleled. Um, and then my second little suggestion is something that I've recently discovered. Actually, I discovered it about a year ago now, and that is an app. I'm not, I don't work for these guys. I'm not affiliated with them or anything, but the app is called Expectful. And um, what it is, is essentially a meditation app for mothers. So there's categories in there for when you're trying to conceive, when you're pregnant, postpartum, and then general motherhood. And these meditations are just beautiful. Um, whoever wrote them is clearly a mother themselves because they're guided meditations and they are full of so much wisdom. So one example, you can pick a meditation for the days when you're wondering if you're enough um, or the days when you are feeling emotionally drained. And doing these meditations, you can choose a 5, 10 or 20-minute version of each one. Um, I just adore it and it is an essential part of my toolkit in terms of looking after myself. So, And I'm not an experienced meditator. I can't sit and do meditation unguided. So it's not about being an experienced meditator at all. It's really just um, a guided little session that will fill up, fill up your cup. <laughs> that app sounds amazing. I'll definitely have to go and check that out after. I love that you can pick like specific, yeah. but this is how I'm feeling. That's amazing. How clever is someone to have come up with that? There's so many things out there that we don't know oh. about that I love finding out. And it's through having conversations like this that we realize, oh, I'm going to take that extra little now. That's in my toolkit. Because I'm yeah. sitting here thinking, I don't know how specific I can be because I just have a bunch of little things that I've figured out along the way that work for me. So I know that some people are all about get up at 5am and be productive and exercise. And that's just not me as much as I wish it was. I am more of the rest kind of person. So instead of being productive when the kids would nap, that is my me time because by night time, I'm usually too tired or because... I'm constantly studying with uni. That's when I have a good chunk of hours to actually be productive on that. So it's turned into either if the night before was rough, I'll have a sleep with the kids during the nap. Or if I'm feeling like I need to fill my cup a bit, I will just pop in my headphones and watch some Netflix because I'm a big, I used to be, I should say, I used to be a big TV binger, you know, back when I had all the time in the world to just sit and do that. Yeah. And then it's kind of turned into what are three things that I can do today? So keeping it really simple, not necessarily to-do list, but it can be, it depends. And that's kind of where I came up with the concept of the daily three to be. And it focuses on being mindful, being energized and being on track. And so the idea behind that was I'll either do three of one of the things. So if I'm having a really rough mental health day, I'll focus on the mindful. So like you said, if I find a mindfulness app, like I usually use the calm one, 
or if it's as simple as a nice warm shower by myself (laughs) because I do all my best thinking and relaxing in the shower. So for me, that was a big one. (laughs) Or if it's, you know, talking to a friend or one thing I've been trying to focus more on lately is actually booking in regular sessions with my psychologist as well, because I know I need that. Plus it's a third person who's removed. So it makes it a lot easier to talk about things. Then with the energized, even though I'm not the biggest person to exercise, it could be going for a walk with the kids or what I've been doing lately is just literally going into my backyard barefoot and enjoying the sun on me for a little bit, maybe doing some light stretching while the kids are jumping on the trampoline because especially with COVID we've been stuck inside a lot more lately. And so I need to get outside more or as simple as eating a healthy meal, or if I'm too lazy for that, a smoothie, because you can pack so much nutrition into that. So just basic level stuff to keep me well-fed and hydrated as well as breastfeeding, because, you know, I've been doing that continuously for 40 years now, really. Um, And then the last one on track. And so because I have so much going on, whether that's trying to keep on top of the house, which I fail at every day, or if it's, you know, uni studies, or if it's just, you know, mundane tasks that you have to get done, but only three. So it's either one of each of the categories or like three of one specific, whatever it could be. And I just play it day by day. And I try to check in with myself. What do I need today? Or if I notice that I'm losing my temper a little bit or from close to that, then I quickly think, okay, out of these three, what am I needing? Is it because I need to get stuff done? Is it because I'm feeling sluggish? Is it because I haven't actually taken a minute to breathe and just be me for a minute? And so that has really helped change my thinking on a day-to-day basis. So for me, it's like those little things that have such a big impact in my well-being. I think that's just so effective. And I especially love that you said it's something that you reassess or assess in yourself the needs for day-to-day because I feel to be happy and balanced in this journey of motherhood we really need to be fluid (laughs) that's something that I've learned you know before motherhood I was not very fluid and being fluid and accepting that each day is going to feel different and be different for you in terms of what you need um, is just so important so I I absolutely love that strategy and I will be taking that from you too I do have the daily three to be, it's just a simple one sheet. It's you can download it for free from my website on the gentlecounselor.com. It's already there and ready because I have it on my fridge. And so it's quite often in my face every day anyway. And yeah, we need these little things in our toolkit because otherwise you feel like you're flailing around or you're not quite sure how to deal with it. So it's really good to have these conversations and ask other women, other mothers, other parents, what, do you do how do you keep yourself sane every day and you're right I wish I could be a structured person of waking up every day 5 a.m you know doing all this other stuff but that's just not the reality for me and I learned really quickly that I have to take it day by day because some weeks I'm feeling amazing and I'm doing all the things and then some weeks I just want to lay down and sleep (laughs) yeah yeah oh actually on that Super interesting. And I know, I think you'd be interested in this too, you know, talking about the rhythm of our, of our weeks and our days. I read this book that I've just finished and it's called Do Less by Kate Northrup. Have you heard of this? I have. I'm trying to think if I've actually read it or if I've just heard of it. It is so good. It was completely new to me. Um, 
but basically the gist of it is it's this approach okay the little bio thing is a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for busy mums and she talks about our female cycles you know our body cycles and how naturally there's weeks where women are super productive and magnetic and on fire and having these meaningful connections but then you know with our cycle too there's weeks where we really need to retreat and privilege rest in our days and our weeks so i've actually just mapped out on my little yearly planner the weeks in different colors and i'm just giving this a bit of a, a feel at the moment and i find it's um it's a really really nice and it, a really um sensible way i think to just be conscious of our time, not sticking to it rigidly or anything like that, but just being aware if there's weeks where you're um, not feeling like you're firing on all cylinders, well, that's okay. That's probably just the week where you need to be bunkering down and snuggling up and getting early nights and that sort of thing. So I don't know, listeners might be interested in checking that out too. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is actually something I've become more aware of as well is of course that makes sense that our mood or our energy would be dependent on our cycle. And so I've started paying attention and I've been meaning to chart it a bit better to notice the patterns, but I ended up finding a book as well. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called soul modes by Carly Marie. And I, and she talks about how you're not one ordinary woman you're four extraordinary women i think is her slogan that she uses and she's given them all a cute name she talks about uh let's see if i can remember uh, super mode sparkle mode bear mode and wild mode and so okay. sparkle is when you're feeling really lovey-dovey and you're craving that connection super is like you're making all the to-do lists you know that you think you're going to get done then bear mode hits and you just want to relax and chill and like, yeah, just treat yourself basically. And then the wild mode is when you're actually then wanting to do all the things. And that's been a really interesting concept for me to learn about. So that's another one that's really useful as well, you know, because amazing. every, yeah, we have these cycles. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's, I can't believe it hasn't occurred to me till now. I know. <laughs> you know 36 years of age. I'm like, what, <laughs> is, what have I been thinking about? So I know it makes so really much sense. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on to the Gentle Counselor podcast today, Jackie. If you would like to see Jackie more and find out more information from her, you can follow her online at The Brave Space or her website, thebravespace.com.au. And I'll make sure to link all of that below in the show notes for you as well. Thank you so much again for coming on to the podcast and sharing so much of your wisdom and experience in motherhood. Oh, a total pleasure. I've absolutely loved it. I could have talked for, for ages. So thank you for having me.